Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. This week, we've got another cool show. It's just me and you one on one talking about rethinking stress. Look, things are going to be hard, but if you stick with it, you can and you will adapt. Stick around. This podcast, we take a deep dive into the international game of baseball and softball. Every week on the show, we will talk with coaches and players from around the world, where we'll discuss preparation, motivation, and building a consistent mental process for those high-leverage, high-stakes situations. If 90% of the game is mental, we need to stop giving everything a physical remedy. Stick around for your host. He's played and coached professionally on five different continents and won 12 different national championships he's the original baseball nomad some call him the hit doctor but heck you can just call him coach ab We're back. We're back another week, me and you. Hey, listen, one of my favorite commercials of all time is a Michael Jordan commercial. I'm going to play the audio. Check it out. Here we go. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't. Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was a game winner. That my game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that failure gave me strength. That my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for. Every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game. Or maybe you're just making excuses. Wow, powerful stuff. You didn't see that failure gave me strength. Yeah, he was cut. <laughs> cut in high school. Laney High School. Yeah, the other part I really like there is maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Hey, like we talked about last week, a lot of people have hit this wall with the whole COVID-19 thing, and it's been tough and stressful. That's why we're talking about rethinking stress. Yeah, a lot of people out there think that stress is harmful, right? And it is. But stress can also be a stimulus for growth. Before I graduated high school, I was already in the United States Navy. I didn't play in high school because mostly I was ineligible. I mean, I just, you know, honestly speaking, I didn't take school seriously as a teenager. I was a very good baseball player and I was scouted locally playing in all my local leagues. But yeah, I didn't. I, I just couldn't get motivated for school, uh, if I'm honest. 
Um, I mean, at 14, 15, I was a bat boy for the San Jose Bees, which was a minor league baseball team in my town. So I was essentially playing catch, shagging fly balls uh, in BP and, and hitting with guys uh, who were professionals while I was 14. Right. Um, I mean, I'm talking, you know, playing catch with grown men. And what my parents did is they tried to use baseball as a tool to get me to engage in in school. And, you know, I get it. I, I understand what they were trying to do. Uh, but it was like they were trying to dangle a carrot and it, it worked sometimes, but obviously mostly it didn't. I knew I wanted to spend my life playing or around professional baseball. But all the people that surrounded me, my high school teachers, my counselors, uh, my parents, um, they wanted me to be more realistic. And again, I, I understand that because, you know, I preach the same message to my guys uh, what if it doesn't work out? Okay. So what ended up happening for me is you need to take an ASVAB test. And I scored very high on the uh, test, uh, high enough to get into the Navy without graduating high school. I needed to have a special waiver. Uh, my parents had to approve it, uh, uh, of course, but I scored high enough to get in without graduating. So boom, I went to boot camp. Um, spent eight weeks in Orlando, Florida in boot camp. And after boot camp, I went to um, a, a specialist school, an A school, they call it in the Navy, where you specialize on in your the job that you'll be working out, working in in the fleet. So I, I then I spent, what, six weeks in Meridian, Mississippi. And then after that, I got orders to the fleet. OK, uh, and I get out to the fleet, you know, a, a freshly minted uh, sailor. And you know what I learned? I learned that I should have stayed in school. <laughs> I should have listened to my parents. I should have listened to my counselors. I should have listened to everybody and buckled down and stayed in school. Uh, because, you know, once I was in the fleet, man, you learn to work. I mean, you work and you work and you work. Okay. Um, I, I personally, I was stationed uh, in Yokosuka, Japan. Uh, you know, 17 turning 18, uh, I was stationed on the old gray lady, old gray lady, um, the USS Midway. They called her the old gray lady. She was, she was an old ship, um, you know, uh, an aircraft carrier that was, uh, on top of a battleship hull. So, uh, we were the only forward deployed aircraft carrier. So whenever shit happened around the world, they sent us in first, right? So we were automatically steaming, going to whatever conflict area, uh, anything that something, anything that was popping off, we were going. Um, and so when you're steaming uh, across oceans, weeks and months on end, um, yeah, there's not much to do, <laughs> but to work, right? So. You know, a typical day, you you wake up at six or seven, go to muster, uh, you know, go to breakfast and then you go to work. You go to lunch, go back to work, you go to dinner, go back to work. Right. And that, you know, I mean, you typically end your day uh, anywhere from nine o'clock to eleven o'clock, depending on what's going on. So you just I mean, you do a lot of work and you're just surrounded by blue water working. <laughs> anyway, the, the Gulf War hit. And you know what? Sitting in the middle of the the Gulf, I made a promise to myself. If I was given another opportunity, I would go back to school and pursue my goal to be in 
baseball professionally. Okay. So the initial stress of being in the Navy at 17, being on the midway, being forward deployed, being in a war, uh, learning how to work through the military system affected my game in a positive way, actually. I learned to be a self-starter. I learned to embrace challenges. I quickly learned that stress can be a positive. Now, I'll give you another example. Let's, let's take a look at your muscles. Let's say your bicep or just any muscle. Lifting a heavy weight to the point of exhaustion causes micro tears in your muscle tissue, right? And it triggers a stress response. What happens is the body becomes aware that it's currently not strong enough to tolerate the stress that it's under. So once you finish lifting, the body transitions in something called an anabolic state. Basically, the muscle is built up so it can withstand more stress in the future. The same process happens for any hard physical effort, like lifting or, or running, anything that's hard, right? And I think that's pretty cool. Your body just kind of adapts, right? Now, on the flip side, if the amount of stress is too large or it lasts continuously or too long, the body fails to adapt and, ex and you get into what's called an exhaustion stage, right? And that's, that's not good. You know, your body breaks down and it leads to a bunch of health problems. So now stress can be a positive. It can tr trigger desirable sort of adaptations in the body or stress can be a negative causing serious dangers and harm. So it's all about the right amount, the right amount of stress. Now, in this current situation, COVID-19, we've come to see that stress does more than stimulate uh, physiological ad adaptations. It stimulates psychological ones, too. So the difficulty in baseball and in life, it shapes you into a person who can answer the challenges in life. Sometimes when we face stress and we fail, of course, you're going to get, you know, some blemishes, some scars. You're going to face setbacks. But that's what it's going to that's what's going to give you character and take you places. Other people who are too soft to go. Right. So growth comes at this point of sort of resistance. We learn by pushing ourselves to the outer limits, the outer reaches of our ability. It's only when we step outside our comfort zone that we grow. Being uncomfortable is the path to personal development and to growth. It's the opposite of complacency. Sometimes it's just necessary to embrace the challenges, to see failure not as a setback, but as an opportunity to grow. If you never struggle, you never get better. Yeah, we've got to learn productive failure. Learning occurs when we experience that sort of productive failure. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to get through to my guys all the time. You know, it's not about doing all the things that you're comfortable doing. Sometimes I'm going to stress you. Yeah. And if you tell me, oh, yeah, that feels great, coach. I know you're lying. <laughs> it's supposed to feel uncomfortable, right? Um, and you're supposed to fail at it. 
because this is what's going to give you that opportunity to kind of look at the problem at a different angle and push yourself to find a different solution. So I'm reading a pretty interesting book right now, uh, Think Fast and Slow. Okay, And in the book, they're saying that the human mind is it's divided into two systems. There's a system one and then there's a system two. Now, the system one operates automatically and quickly. It's driven by instinct and intuition. System two is more thoughtful and analytical, and it tackles like hard mental activities, stuff that you really need effort for. Right. Apparently, we generally walk around in system one. It's, it's our default mode. It requires less energy. System two, we got to wake up uh, when we really need to, to, to do some hard work and to think about something. Right. So imagine I'll give you an example. Imagine that I ask you, what's two plus two? Now, you can't help but to think of the answer. The number four instantly pops into your head. If you've learned basic math, um, it's, it's impossible not to immediately think of the answer. Yeah. Default automatic. Boom. So that is the result of what scientists call the reflexive brain. Okay. Now imagine that instead I asked you what's 39 uh, multiplied by 26. Now, most likely your brain goes blank for a second. It doesn't have an answer unless you're some sort of math wizard. You have to go through this tedious process of calculating it. You have to use what is known as your reflective brain, right? So what we need to understand that true learning you need that system too. Okay. I'll give you another example. In basketball, let's say uh, if today I go to the basketball court and I say, I'm, I'm only going to use my non-dominant hand to dribble. Okay. Which for me would be my left hand. I'm, I'm a right-hander. Um, but if I say, yeah, I'm only going to use my non-dominant hand to dribble. This is probably, I'm probably going to use my, my system too. Okay. And I'm probably going to struggle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to struggle. <laughs> but if um, all of a sudden, you know, I'm using my non-dominant hand and all of a sudden these guys come over and say, Hey, we want to play a pickup game. Now I've committed to using my non-dominant hand, essentially committed to struggle and learning. Right. But now all of a sudden there's a guy guarding me and you know, I'm trying to win. Guess what happens? Probably system one is going to take over because that default mode has a stronger connection in my brain and I want to win. So that stress of wanting to win kicks in and I revert back to easy system one. But if I endure the struggle and keep working at that new skill, it may be that slow system too. And maybe I'm going to fail you know, maybe I'm going to look silly, but if I stick with it long enough, it will eventually become system one and automatic. That's the deal, man. Um, things are going to be hard, but when we stick with it and you can and you will adapt, it's called neuroplasticity, the ability of our body to adapt to whatever we put on it. Just look at 
an example of Billy Wagner, right? Billy Wagner spent 16 years in the major leagues. He's a natural-born right-hander. He learned to throw lefty because he broke his arm playing football at seven years old well, with a neighbor. And then he healed, you know. But, you know, when he broke his, his dominant hand, he started picking up things with his non-dominant hand because he didn't want to be left out. So he learned to play lefty, right? His, his arm healed. And then once again, while he was climbing some monkey bars, he broke his arm again. So, again, he, you know, started going lefty, okay? And eventually, you know, he would just become a left-handed pitcher. In 2003, he hit 101 miles per hour on the radar gun with his non-dominant hand, okay? I think that's neuroplasticity at its finest. He adapted. His body adapted, yeah? Uh, I think there's probably a lot of, a lot of hitters during his time that are glad that he, you know, that he did break his arm and he wasn't right-handed because if he's throwing 101 left-handed with his non-dominant hand, it's almost scary what he would be doing with his, his natural hand. Uh, another example is, you know, my first year coming out of the Navy, I went to the college at San Francisco City and I played for Rob Wilson and the Rams. Uh, this is when they had the old Golden Gate Conference. And back then, I don't know what, what's happening now, but back then our home ballpark was... Balboa Park. And and in those days, there was no outfield fence. Now, if you've played anywhere in San Francisco, you know that when a fly ball goes up in the air, anything, <laughs> anything and everything can happen. Okay. Um, and be, there's a system of high pressure over the Pacific Ocean. It's called the North Pacific High. And in summer, it gets stronger. And it creates these big clockwise winds over the ocean. And those winds kind of push the surface water of the ocean away from the coastline. And, man, just think in, in, in the outfield, just think ball goes up and circus music resonates in your head, you know, as an outfielder trying to trying to catch a fly ball. That's I mean, that's that's the image. That's uh, that's the memory that I have. So. As an outfielder, you know, just coming out of the military, learning to catch a fly ball in San Francisco, at the time, it seemed like rocket science. I mean, I really had to work at tracking fly balls, uh, which meant getting a good read off the bat, which meant choosing the best route, which meant moving efficiently. Okay, or if I didn't do any of those things, Stress, man, major stress every time the ball went up in the air. Right. So you just, I mean, you locked in uh, and I learned I learned, you know, I learned these things uh, about fly balls. Eventually, I would transfer to West Valley College my sophomore year and everything that went up in the air while I was playing left field out there. Man, it felt like an easy can of corn. I mean, catching <laughs> catching a fly ball seemed so easy the rest of my career. If I if I think back to those San Francisco uh, City College days. So this this COVID situation, and, and you know what? Ironically, I, I, that, when I think about this COVID situation, I, I hear that same music. <laughs> but it should prove to us that suddenly, even if you wake up 
to the fact that you have a, you know, let's say a plush suburban home or uh, an expensive car or an Ivy League education, or you wake up and you can suddenly hit bombs consistently off of off of major league pitching, or you throw 101 miles per hour. No one in this time is guaranteed peace of mind. I mean, we've just all seen that. Uh, I mean, you could have the winning lottery numbers tomorrow, which brings up an interesting fact. Did you know that most people who win the lottery are worse off financially five years down the road than they were before winning the lottery? Now, they say that's because winning the lottery, when you win the lottery, you skip the steps of being forced to learn and develop the skills necessary for creating a sustaining success. You arrive at the top without any of what it takes to stay there, right? So uh, my daughter is five years old, and she's a learning machine. She's trying out new movements and gymnastics. She's being homeschooled while we're here in China, um, since the pandemic, right? My wife was a teacher before the pandemic, so kind of got lucky there. But we speak English around the house. Uh, she speaks speaks with her mother in Hungarian, and they both are learning Chinese while we're here. So there are uh, a bunch of new words for this little girl, five-year-old little girl, daily. Uh, and then when I come home off the field, I get about 30 million questions and it's funny to see the concentration on her face as she just kind of learns these new skills. And for me, it's a good indication of what enjoyment is all about. A, a lesson for me. There's a natural connection between growth and enjoyment. Okay. In my opinion, this is the hardest thing to teach my players uh, in player development. Right. Um, it, it, it feels like that's what's missing. And I think for players to get to the next level, they need to learn how to build enjoyment into what happens day in and day out. I'm talking about the mundane things, the things that are hard, the things that suck, the things that are difficult. Those are the things that provide you with no obvious reward. I mean, there's no money. No accolades, and a lot of times doing those things stress you. Okay, but you can improve the quality of your game or even your life when you can continue to develop that ability to transform adversity into enjoyable challenges. Um, the Stoic philosopher Seneca said, "The good things which belong to prosperity are to be wished." But the good things that belong to adversity are to be admired. I believe if we want to continuously improve in whatever it is that we do, we've got to view stress as something positive, even desirable. Of course, too much or never ending stress can be dangerous. Again, it's about the right amount. That's what's going to serve a powerful stimulus for growth. Just like getting cut from his high school basketball team for Michael Jordan. That devastating event seemed to enrich his life in an unexpected way, I'm sure. And you know what? It probably challenged LeBron's life as well. 
I think that commercial, when it was aired, I think it was aimed at LeBron. Coincidentally, that's when LeBron started to step up his game and his work ethic, and he finally began competing for a championship. After that MJ commercial. Man, that took courage, which is probably what we'll be talking about the next time. Look, if shit was going to be easy, everyone would just go out and do it. There's going to be stress. And you know what? You're going to figure it out. Even if it's a little bit at a time, that's when you get closer and closer to your goal. Anyway, that's it for this week. Don't forget to breathe and peace. I bet they remember my name. I bet they remember the shot, the flame. I bet they remember the bang. I bet he remember that pain. He never walked the same. He never shot the same. Sorry you lost the game. I got to go harder. He mad, they can't stop us. My jersey always pop up. They cop it, they bought it. Your girl scream my name. Out loud, she all in the crowd. Made her proud, you brought her shame. Check me out, look at the flame. I can never miss. Look at the flick, flick. I can never miss. Look at the wrist, wrist. I can never miss. Look at the fit, I'm healthy. I can never miss. Hey, we go eat those shots when it's lunchtime. We go beat those blocks when it's crunch time. You know we're going all the way. You know we're going hard today. I fight back hard away. No penny for your thoughts today. But it's pity on my feet, I'm elite. You already know what it is, can be beat, it's me. Look at the squad. Look at my team, don't be my hearts, don't be my bruvs, don't be my guys, don't be the parts, parts that I need to the puzzle. Look at my arms, look at my palms, look at the sweat, look at my eyes, look at the threat. We working, 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 we working. Practice make perfect, practice make perfect. We working for certain, we working, we working. We got the purpose, we got the nervous, we got the service. We working, 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 we working. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.